Welcome back to the PCP. So, I kinda want to talk about strokes, because I had one. And actually, this podcast is named after the type of stroke I had, a cerebellar infarction. Um, we'll talk about that more in a bit. But, uh, you know, just some quick terms uh, to lead things off. One is the golden hour, and the second is fast, or be fast. Uh, those are last two are acronyms. So I had a stroke back at the end of 2017 and I didn't recognize it at first because one, I thought, oh, I'm too young to have a stroke. I, I was going through uh, the start of my divorce and a really big hiccup in uh, divesting matrimonial properties at the time with interference from my ex. And it caused me a lot of stress, and you know I didn't realize, um, you know, what it actually ended up doing to me. So one day I I, I kind of woke up, and I, you know I wasn't feeling great. I went to go throw up. You know I, I felt lousy, like I had pains all across my body. You know, and so I called in. I ended up spending two days at home. You know, not going to work. And you know. You know, I looked myself in the mirror, like, you know, my face wasn't drooping, um, you know, one half of my body wasn't, you know, completely numb or anything like that. Uh, so, you know, no classic signs of, of a stroke. So, at some point, uh, I laid down on the floor and I couldn't get up. It felt like my personal gravity had kind of turned 90 degrees and I honestly could not get up. I just kind of passed out in and out of consciousness. Again, I missed the nurse sign. Um, at some point, I forced myself up, you know, showered, took meds, and I was like, okay, you know, it's just a bad flu. I think my mom called me at some point. I just told her about it, and, you know, I thought, ah, you know, it's nothing, it's just a flu. So, you know, by the second day, again, the little night, I called my mom, and, you know, she can't, you know, she screamed over in her car, and, you know, she took me to the ER. So by this point, um, it's been about, 36 to 48 hours since, you know, the initial symptoms came up. Uh, so the first trip to the ER first, uh, the admitting nurse said, you know, there was I probably had a bad flu going on, you know, and we'd been waiting a while in the ER, you know, because I'm not, you know, I wasn't bleeding. I didn't have like catastrophic uh, uh, symptoms, you know, so, you know, other people were admitted first. So, you know, got sent home, you know, I told to take some Tylenol or something probably. And it's like, this is about 50 hours or 50 something hours, right? So my mom stayed over, right? Kept on me, right? And, you know, as she checked on me, you know, the next day when I got up and I was, you know, I just felt still like garbage. I, I think it was like a half a day or something. And, you know, I think she left and came back. But, you know, and later that day, she said, you know, something isn't right. So we went back to the emergency room. So this is now about 60-something hours. And the triage nurse thought I was full of shit when I was tell telling them, uh, you know, thinking I have bigger problems because they thought I was drunk or high or something, right? And, you know, because uh, relatively young, it's like, they're in, I was still just in my late 30s, right? And, you know, my mom gave, just kind of read them the riot act, right? And I think, 
like I, by that point I was passing in and out of consciousness. So I think you know, the nurse, you know, had a second thought and, you know, eventually admitted me. So even after you pass through the admitting room in the triage area, you still have to wait in the next room for hours. I uh, didn't help. This is getting close to around Christmas time. So, you know, there was only one emergency doctor. So it was, I think like ton of hours before the, the emergency doctor got to me. Right. And as soon as you know, he kind of read through my symptoms, checked on me, right? I just heard, you know, he needs a CT scan now. This is about 70 something hours. And when the doctor mentioned CT scan, I knew I was in big trouble because normally CT scans are booked and backlogged for months at a time. So I had a CT scan uh, recently this year and it took over six months for me to get in from the day of the appointment. So this is about 70 something hours now uh, since my initial symptoms. So the reason I keep talking about time is that the golden hour refers to the first hour um, when you can alleviate a lot of the damage from the stroke. So if you if the symptoms are recognizable, or sorry, not recognizable, are recognized, right? And you get to the hospital or to emergency services right away, you know, they can prevent any you know, longer term or more severe damage uh, as time progresses. So miss that first hour window by quite a bit. Uh, so at some point, you know, um, took a little bit of time to, you know, get uh, get into the queue for the CT scan, and I'm pretty sure they gave me some kind of anesthetic of some type to alleviate the pain. Um, I don't know what it would have felt like without it. It's not the scan itself that hurt, but they jammed something into my mouth I, to either um, help with the imaging or something, but it felt like I was, they were trying to shove a Coke can down my mouth. Um, so that confirmed uh, that I had had a stroke and I was you know, admitted to the stroke board. Uh, I lowered the average age in there probably about 20 years. Um, and I'm assuming they, they started, you know, I mean, on blood thinners and t start taking uh, blood samples to try to figure out what was wrong. Um, when the ward doctors came around when I was conscious, uh, they were very pessimistic. And, you know, they, they said, you know, I probably wouldn't be able to work again. I probably may not even be able to walk again. You know, and it sounded like, you know, I was on, you know, I was on death row. And I was like, I was really confused and I was kind of pissed I'm like I didn't understand and so to tie back into uh, the fact that I didn't have the classic signs of stroke you know the the face drooping you know the deaded half part part of your body the slurring of speech any of that is because a cerebellar infarction is a type of cere uh, I can't say this cerebrovascular event evolving the posterior cranial fossa specifically the cerebellum. Impaired perfusion reduces oxygen delivery and causes def deficits in motor and balance control. In the case of hemorrhagic events, I didn't have a hemorrhagic event, thankfully. Um, I, well, I was told I did, uh, in any case, bleeding can directly damage tissue and worsen these deficits. While comprising a small fraction of strokes, cerebellar strokes are responsible for a disproportionate share of morbidity and mortality due to their sometimes subtle initial presentation and the adverse effects of reactive swelling in the posterior fossa. 
of all brain strokes, cerebellar strokes account for, account for 1 to 4%. So because this is such a rare type of stroke and has a greater chance of killing you because um, where my blockage occurred, it was right by my brain stem. Uh, hence the loss of balance and uh, the negativity by the admitting doctors. I should have been dead, apparently. Um, so that if that little blurb there, which I kind of mashed up, uh, was from the National Center for Biotechnology Information. So looking at my doctor's notes about it, uh, my my stroke had been caused by vertebral artery occlusion. This is why I never became a doctor. I can't even say the words. Never mind, read them properly. So, any case, so I had you know cerebellar stroke, right? I ended up uh, in the hospital for nine days. It felt like a month. When I checked back on the discharge intake and discharge dates, I was surprised it was only nine days, and um, they didn't. You know, I wanted to go home right away, of course, because no one liked to stay in the hospital, right? But they kept me there um, just to make sure I didn't have a, you know, a second stroke and to figure out why uh, I had the stroke in the first place. And also, you know, because, you know, I lost my balance and stuff. They're worried that I was going to fall down and crack my head and give myself a concussion. Well, well another concussion. Um, so we'll come back to that concussion bit in a sec. So there are daily blood draws, that kind of thing, right? Um, after a few days, right, like I was gross because you know, I wasn't allowed to shower. I was just laying in the hospital bed, you know, kind of passing out, you know, eating, you know, junk hospital food and, you know, having uh, things, th tests done. Uh, I was allowed to go home for Christmas for a day trip. I, you know, they let me, uh, by that point I was able to kind of walk gingerly. Um, come back to that too in a sec. Um, also while I was there, uh, you know, what, so my brother had come up from, uh, Calgary and, you know, he brought me my phone and stuff. So, and he also brought me headphones cause I was in a shared room and nothing against the guy, uh, other guy in the room. They just snort really loud. And it was very hard to sleep. So, you know, it, it was easier with the headphones on. And, you know, once I got my phone, I was able to message people like my work and, uh, Beardsley, you know, kind of learn what was happening. And he was, his beards is like, you know was a little freaked out, but I said, you know, I was okay. But he said, you know, better let Dennis and Big Head know. And by this point, I haven't talked to them in years. Like I, you know, grown apart a little bit. And, you know, that was also part of uh, one of the things that was caused by my now uh, broken marriage. You know, but I messaged and they came by that evening, right? So I... You know, can't ask for, for better friends. You know, we don't talk a lot, right? But when things happen, they're there. Um, so after a couple of days, you know, I, I was, you know, motoring to try to get back to some kind of normal, right? And it took me a lot of begging, cajoling to uh, get the doctors and nurses to, you know, at least let me to use a wheel, like, you know, not necessarily walk, but use a hop in a wheelchair and get around myself because, you know, being stuck in a bed all day really sucks. Also, um, before I was allowed that uh, privilege, I would have to call for the nurse to help me get to the washroom, you know, for number one or number two. So, anyways, once I got in the wheelchair, as 
you know, I would only get back to my bed for meals, right? Otherwise, I was just motoring around the floor, right? Trying not to run over the nurses. I think I tried to ask one out. Probably not a good thing, but eh. I almost died, so it was worth a shot. I got turned down. But uh, one of the other lady patients, you know, she called up to me from her room. And she asked me why I was, like, kind of going around so much. And I was told, told her, like, you know, I, I was pushing myself hard, you know, because I wanted to get back to some kind of normal. I didn't want to be stuck in the bed for the rest of my life. And I'm assuming you know, that kind of resonated with her. Because I didn't see a lot of the other patients, you know, move around. Some of them were, you know, barely conscious. So I don't know if some of them were, uh, you know, had, like way other worse symptoms or whatnot i i don't know but the i think the next day for that lady who had talked to me like her family came by and i saw her i saw them helping her out of bed like she wanted to get up and out i i like to think you know i inspired her to you know you know reach for life right you know and get motoring and not just kind of accept you know the lot we were given um so you know from the wheelchair like i was you know, we started physio, right? I had to relearn how to walk. Like, you know, I couldn't stand, I could, couldn't even stand on two legs. Like I would, you know, so a little learned, um, actually from neurologist is that when you damage your cerebrum, it actually, you lose, um, like the equivalent of programs, like you know, computer programs for physical activities, like walking, standing, uh, the one, test uh the physiotherapist got me to do quite a bit was walking with one foot placed in front of the other because that you know really tests your balance right and you know it took um i think a physio like every two days right but in the first couple days you know i could you know i couldn't even you know stand and you know i almost fall and have to collapse back into the wheelchair you know i push myself hard and because, you know, when you, you know, you lose your programs, you have to kind of reprogram your, you know, your, your mind, right? Uh, with what you want your body to do. Like, uh, so this is what, when people talk about muscle memory, this is what they're really doing. And I was, you know, kind of upset, you know, I couldn't walk, but I was going like, well, you know, it's been 30 something years since I had to relearn to walk, right? How may I do this? And I remembered, um... My ex's nephew, right? You know, because, uh, you know, he, so his mom, my ex-sister-in-law, they, they lived with us for a bit, like, around the time uh, he was born. Uh, don't ask why he didn't live, they didn't live uh, with their, their dad. They, they're together now, so there was no problems, but it's a big can of worms. Anyways, so I got this, you know, see him grow up from a baby to an infant to a toddler. I remembered him learning how to walk. Right? And, you know, kids learn by, you know, they do the water walk first, kind of back and forth, left and right. And, you know, that memory, you know, I thought hard about that memory and, you know, got myself to do it as well. Right? Before, you know, transitioning to, you know, regular, normal steps. Right? So, it, it took a bit, but, you know, I got going and, you know, and then I was released after nine days in the hospital. Though, it, again, it felt like a month. Oh, uh, besides the daily uh, <laughs> blood withdrawal, uh, so when I 
got my first shower after a few days there, right? It, yeah, you, you don't care. Like when you're that miserable, that messed up, you don't, there is no embarrassment, whatever. Like I was got taken to, you know, a tiled room, right? And the male nurse just kind of held, you know, shower head just gently as I kind of scrubbed myself down. Um, yeah, good times. But, uh, so I did a number of stupid things after I, I uh, got better. Like, you know, I got home, I, I was on short-term disability for a few months, right? Um, and of course I had follow-up visits with my family doctor, my neurologist, uh, well, with the a neurologist uh, from the hospital. And, you know, so after three months, you know, when I uh, went to see him, he started off the visit when he came into the room his, by saying, John, we have a problem. And, you know, so I broke into a cold sweat, you know, I'm, I'm like, freaking out yeah you know, i have anxiety anxiety issues so i was like this isn't helping and he followed up with i can't figure out what caused your stroke so if you can hear that sigh just insert verbal sigh here and really doc you should just led with that line <laughs> right but he couldn't be back for work so i went back to work after three, three months right which is really dumb but my work, my boss at the time was incredible. Like, you know, he let me work from home. They gradually, uh, you know, get back to full strength. So I was working half days at full pay, right? You know, got back to getting things done. Uh, so going back to work early is kind of dumb, but again, it was the doctor's question. I'm so used to work i've been working since i was in you know my teens 14 15 right so you know second nature just go back to work and you know my mom and dad always said you, know, you gotta work hard uh we'll talk about work ethic uh in our podcast uh the next dumb thing i did was after seven months uh for leaving the hospital i signed up for ball hockey right because i had to try to get in shape but i was playing with guys who were way younger you know way more voted way much in shape because i kind of let myself go um after uh, you know after, from the stroke time to getting back to work so I, I thought i could get back in the shape of balky but i should have been in shape to play balky in any case i it led to me slipping on a concrete floor and cracking the back of my head right around the area i had my stroke um i did have a helmet on but three months later and uh this is you can get a delayed concussion uh so i because i worked with a Psychologist, you know, he specialized in concussions. They said, yeah, you have classic, you know, delayed concussion syndrome. I'm like, oh, fantastic. Right. So th three months after cracking my head, right. You now I've got wicked headaches, daily persistent, and they have not gone away. And it's been two to three years. Um, you know, so the, fir the first year, I kind of powered through it, you know, and uh, kept working. And on the... A longer workday. I was driving to all sorts of sites. I drove probably about 500, 600 kilometers that day, you know, including hours, time, you know, each of the plants to, to stop and check on things. And on a small country road, I hit some ice, right? And, uh, you know, I didn't react properly to knock off the cruise control, so I r rolled my SUV. Uh, I was fine. Actually, everyone was surprised uh, how fine I was. Everyone thought I, I was dead. Like, I realized later you know the i got some some whiplash it wasn't apparent because like because i was taken to a local hospital 
and x-rays and stuff, you know, showed no damage, had no bruising. But, there, you know, there's soft tissue damage can be very subtle. So I already had headaches, and the whiplash just kind of made it worse. So months later, I ended up, you know, going on to long-term disability. Uh, I did, but after that rollover, because I didn't feel any of it, I was back to regular work in two weeks. So I have lots of things I've done stupidly in my life. That's probably high on the list. Um, you know, that's kind of the negative things I, I did, but there have been positive things, you know, because, uh, you know, the doctor, my family doctor knows, you know, you, you, you've been eating, I've been stress eating, you know, I was eating poorly, gaining weight, right? And she said I was at risk for type 2 diabetes, so I had to, you know, slowly improve my diet, you know, less eating out, less eating, you know, fatty foods, more eating closer to the Mediterranean diet, like lighter foods, olive oil, heart-friendly things, that kind of thing, you know, it's been a battle, but, you know, gone to the point where I work out every day, I've meditated and reflected, I um, still have issues to work out, but, you know, like, mentioned my, my divorce is in the middle of it, I, I don't hate my wife, I'm angry at some of the things she did, you know, but I've, i come to understand, you know, I may have been the driver for a number of them, right, still doesn't give her excuse for doing some of the things she did, but, you know, it takes two to part to tango. So, you know, I know I have a part in it as well. And we got to recording this blog. And um, if you're still listening after 20-something minutes of me yammering on, thank you. Um, I guess some random things. So I kind of looked into some things before I started recording this. And I thought the acronym BFAST was being adopted. But it's only been adopted by certain organizations. It's neither, it hasn't been adopted by the Canadian or the American Stroke Foundations. They're still using FAST, so the face drooping, arms not lifting, slurred speech, uh, it's time to call 911 as the primary identifiers. The the B part, the BE part of BFAST, other organizations are using, are listed as secondary symptoms by the two stroke foundations, right? So um, B stands for balance and E stands for I. So I, I hope after, after like um, my my stroke that you know there was be fast was going to be more recognized right and um, you know I didn't fault the admitting nurse for thinking I was like uh, you know thinking I was like drunk or high or something right because you know I typically you associate strokes with much older people right people say in their 60s 70s 80s you know like I don't have I have barely have any gray hairs. Um, Right, so I look pretty young, and you know, it, but it can happen in younger people. So, um, just uh, you know, just for your own knowledge, right? Uh, if you can, you know, learn be fast, right? I have a personal vested interest because I had it, but up to you. Uh, I am part of the one third of stroke victims that never called nine one one. As as I said, it you know, I missed the golden hour by seventy something hours. <laughs> uh, you know. Another not too bright moment in my life. I have I have tons of those. Um, so right around the time I had my stroke, like before, uh, more after, right? Some celebrities and stuff had strokes or aneurysms or you know other blood related uh, issues, right? So Bears's wife joked I was spreading the the stroke like like a flu, right? Didn't find that funny, and I became really less funny when I think it was a year later, Beardsley's mom got hit with one. And unfortunately, she she had the classic stroke where you know she 
was dead on one side. She had slurred speech. She had, you know, um, it, it wasn't looking good. It, first, it was kind of like, you know, maybe touch and go. Maybe she would recover. But if she did, you know, it would be uh, much more difficult. Like she'd be bound to a wheelchair, right? She would need a lot of care. And, but, you know, she unfortunately passed on. And, but I guess the only unfortunate thing out of that was she had time to, you know, say goodbye to everyone, to Beardsley's kids, right? You know, to her extended family, nieces and nephews, husband, Beardsley, and his sister, right? And, now yeah, that one hit close to home. And, um, I guess even for me, like, uh, you know, I lost a grandmother to it. Well, my my dad's mom, like she got hit one with one. I don't know, it's probably twenty years now. But she she's gone now. Like she died uh, after uh, my auntie five passed on, like the day after. You know how people say, yeah, you know, parents don't have a favorite kid, but they do, right? And they they were very much alike, and you know. My grandma, she had the classic stroke, you know, dead on one side, needed to be in a wheelchair. You know, life was kind of like probably suffering. And, you know, when Auntie passed on, that was just too much. So um, I guess now you know I've suffered a stroke. You, if you saw me, you wouldn't be able to tell. Like, you could tell by my speech, it's, I don't think it's too slurred. You know, it sounds regular. If it's slurred, it's probably just, just regular brain damage and not stroke brain damage. Um, oh yeah, I I have also, I can play the brain damage card uh, anytime I like if I forget things or if I do something dumb now. Uh, it <laughs> it infuriates people, but, you know, my friends and uh, uh, Destiny 2 clan mates, but it's like, you know, it's, it's a matter of truth. I've been lucky you know i've regained full mostly full motor control like i can't do certain things like stand on one leg for too long you know but that's besides the point I, the fact that i can walk and still live independently um is fortunate but uh yeah it's honestly a life-changing event this has gone longer than i thought it would and um you know that's why I kind of named this podcast after it because you know I didn't know what I was gonna do with life, but I guess I'll record <laughs> dumb things in this podcast. You know, you, you folks who are listening to this aren't dumb, and I thank you very much for listening. Um, hopefully, it's entertaining, informative, something like that. But uh, you know, it's past the middle of January in 2021. New presidents in town. For you folks in the, the States. And uh, yeah, thanks again for listening to PCP. And I'll see you on the next one. Actually, no, I won't see you because this is audio only. Remember, brain damage.